0: Friends, on one hot summer afternoon in South Florida, a boy was eager to have a cool swim in his pond behind his home. He was so eager to get into the water, he, he did not even go inside to change his clothes. He just ran to that pond. And as he was running, he flicked off his shoes, he took off his shirt and socks along the way. His mother then spotted him diving off the dock. She went outside to check on him. In the meantime, the mother spotted movement in the water. It wasn't her son. There was an alligator moving in the direction towards her son. Shifting into protection mode, the mother began to scream, warning her son of the impending threat. Understanding the danger, the son raced towards the dock. Reaching out to grab his mother's arms, something terrifying happened. The alligator also reached out to him. It was a tug-of-war from a mother's worst nightmare. From the dock, she pulled his arms. From the water, the alligator held his legs with the jaws The water was quickly stained with blood. A farmer driving by heard the screams and ran to help. He shot the alligator and helped the mother call for help. The boy survived, and after several weeks of hospitalization, he was ready to talk to the news reporters. The reporter asked the child if he could see where the alligator had bitten him. With the typical pride of a boy, he showed off his healing wounds to the interested reporter. But wait, said the boy, look at these. With that, he showed the reporter the scars of his arms. I have great scars on my arms too. I have them because my mother would not let go. The survival of the boy was secured through his mother's endurance. Endurance is the ability to withstand an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. Endurance is the power to continue or last despite the fatigue, stress or other adverse conditions. Endurance is the ability to hold on to an object or target amidst hardship or adversity. Endurance is the product of a true conversion and fundamental to our safe arrival home as God's children. And to help us understand. The necessity of endurance. The preacher of Hebrews gives us an image today. Does anyone know what that is? Hands up. It is a house. He gives us the image of a house. This house is known as the house of God. The house includes three key components. Infrastructure, a servant and a builder. And to understand how a house relates to our Christian endurance, I want to unpack these three components of the house with you today. First, the infrastructure of the house. What is the house of God made of, in other words? Well, over the centuries, we have assumed that the house of God is made of literal stone. And mortar. We have assumed that this is a literal church building. In fact, we have reinforced this problem here in St. Luke's. At the front of our church, there's a verse. And it says that this is the house of God. While the church building is designed in an otherworldly English Gothic style, which is attractive to the eye, This, in fact, this building is not the house of God. Friends, verse 6 tells us in Hebrews chapter 3, we are his house. We. Not this. We. We are living stones being built into a spiritual house. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. The house of God is the church people. If we had t-shirts with this is none other than the house of God printed on it, that would be more accurate. In fact, All Saints Nelson Bay made some shirts a few years ago. And on the back, these shirts declared the church has left the building. The house of God is the atoned for people of God. Let me emphasize that word atoned. And so we now know that we are the people of God, but more specifically, the people of God are the atoned. The house of God is, are the atoned for people of God. The only way we can enter into the house of God is if we are purified by a blood sacrifice. To purify us from our sin, God sent his son into our world to become the great high priest Then, like a priest slaughtering a lamb for the sins of Israel, Jesus slaughtered himself on the cross to cleanse us from sin. Since Jesus was perfectly holy, the offering of his body was pleasing to God the Father, the God of holiness. Now that Jesus has atoned us from all our sins, we have become holy brothers and sisters of jesus christ the house of god more specifically is the fellowship of blood washed sinners and so let me ask you a question has jesus made you a holy member of his house are you the house of god If so, praise the Lord. Sing joy, full of joy in our next hymn. You have a reason to glorify God. You are a purified, holy, set-apart piece of God's house. You are the house of God. This brings me to the next point, which I'm going to skip over quite quickly because I don't want to explore this point deeply, but it brings us to the next point the servant of the house so you know that we are the house now god shows us in hebrews chapter 3 who the servant of the house is and we see here that moses moses was the faithful servant in god's house if you don't know who moses is he is an incredibly important person in the history of our scriptures He's incredibly important to the people of Israel. After 400 years of Egyptian slavery, Moses was born out of Israelite heritage. After his adoption into the family of Pharaoh, God used him to redeem the Israelites from their captivity to Pharaoh. After their redemption, Moses functioned as a mediator between God and Israel. Moses received the law of God on Mount Sinai, which we heard about today in the Exodus reading, and built the tabernacle of God where blood sacrifices would be performed. For 40 years, he proclaimed the law and bore witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. He prophesied the plans of God. He directed the people back to God. He even disciplined people when they refused to live for God. He was faithful in all God's house, according to Hebrews. Moses was therefore a highly respected servant in God's house according to God's people. People lifted up the name of Moses. Now to the final point. We know we are the house. Moses was the servant in God's house, but now the builder of the house. Moses was a faithful servant in God's house, but even though many held him in such high esteem, there is one who is worthy of greater honour than Moses, He is known as the builder of the house. And so this brings me to the question, who is this builder? The answer is this, verse four. God is the builder of everything. And as the builder of everything, Christ is also the builder of our faith. I say Christ is the builder for a reason. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself, verse 3 there. The preacher of Hebrews implicitly states that Jesus is the builder of the house, namely that Jesus is God. Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house as the second person in the Trinity. Since he builds the house, he is before Moses. Since he is over the house, he is greater than Moses. Since he rules the house, he demands our ongoing endurance in the faith. And to motivate our Christian endurance, the preacher now gives us two warnings to take home. First, in light of this, that Jesus is the builder of, of us, our faith, since Jesus is the one who has constructed the house of God. We needed to do two things. First, we are now urged in verse 1 here to fix our thoughts on Jesus, whom we profess. Fix our thoughts. It means to consider, meditate on, Jesus. The idea is to set our minds completely on the builder of our faith, to mark, consider, to understand who he is at the core. The call here is to be a diligent learner of Christ. A diligent learner is someone who carefully allocates time for research moves distractions from the learning environment and seeks after mentors to refine their craft the student of jesus christ longs for his wisdom to seek her as silver to search after her that is wisdom as hid treasures knowing the importance of study for our endurance in the faith Thomas Crenmar, the first first Archbishop of the Anglican Church, wrote a book called The Book of Common Prayer. Included was the famous discipleship prayer on the screen. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may, in such wise, hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace And ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou has given us in our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. I love that line. Ever hold fast the blessed hope of eternal life. Kremner knew that the discipline of study was vital to our safe, Arrival home. Fixing our thoughts on Jesus, the builder of the house, was essential to arriving home into the eternal kingdom of God. And so my, first, my next question is, are you a diligent student of Jesus Christ? In other words, are you fixing your thoughts on Jesus as you seek to arrive safely home. The preacher now provides us a final warning in verse six. We are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope which we boast. This big if we is an extremely uncomfortable two words. It has a vertical and horizontal function vertically it shows us that our endurance in jesus is vital to our salvation you cannot love jesus and reject his leadership that is practical atheism we are called to instead boast in the gospel of jesus christ each day i hope the idea of boasting is to be people of pride in the world, to walk with pride, to walk like we have something to find a hope in. This is a conscious decision to identify without shame with Jesus and the hope that he offers us. Our endurance must be a Jesus-centered, vertical endurance. Horizontally, it shows us that our endurance is also connected to our ongoing church membership. You cannot boast in the builder of the house and reject the house he built. That is simply a sign of unbelief. The house image reminds us that we are primarily a we rather than an I, Identifying with Jesus therefore means associating ourselves with His whole house, Christ and His people. Further, the sign of losing our courage and hope in Hebrews is a sign of leaving the fellowship. That's the sign of losing our faith, according to Hebrews. Actually, saying, "I don't need to gather with God's people anymore." Our endurance must also be a we-centered. Horizontal endurance. And so my question is here, do you have a Jesus-centred, we-centred faith? I pray that you will. And if you do, praise the Lord. If you have a Jesus-centred, we-centred faith, you have a, a house-centred faith. But now with this biblical model of Christianity in view, it is now time to protect it at all costs. We need to protect the biblical model of Christianity from the world. Like the Hebrews who found themselves publicly shamed for belonging to the house of God, we too will be shamed for coming to church on a Sunday. For example, one of you shared about your social pressures this week. Let's call her Sally. While Sally was driving to church last Lord's Day, she received a call from her cousin. This is a real experience from someone in our parish. Her cousin asked, what are you doing today? She replied, I'm going to church. He said, you're not really going to church, are you? With courage, Sally said, yes, yes I am. Unable to pressure Sally into avoiding worship, the conversation ended. Her endurance was signified by her joy in the household of God that day. Now, that is a model of Christian endurance, particularly when the world threatens our faith. We also need to protect the biblical model of Christianity from other Christians. To be honest, there's this false gospel pervading the church, particularly the evangelical movement called Churchless Christianity. To be honest, this is an oxymoron, a contradiction. I love what this uh, pastor says, Um, African-American pastor. He says, the New Testament has no vision for the Christian life apart from from playing our part in the local church. Paul pictures the church as the body of Christ. Each member of the church is necessary and irreplaceable. God's plan A for our discipleship and growth is the local church and he does not have a plan B. This is why all the local church substitutes are sugary and they don't have the nutrients we need to grow. To stick to Christ's plan A, let us therefore, as the Hebrews author says, not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. This is endurance. We cannot survive on MacDonald's gospel, a church's gospel, without having a spiritual cardiac, cardiac arrest later on in life. While the sugar will make us rush down the straight and narrow path to glory for a little while, fatigue, increased thirst, and a blurred vision may stifle our path. The Christianity we need is a wholesome, nutritious, home-cooked meal which is only found in the master's house, the builder's house. And so, friends, endurance in the household of God is vital to our safe arrival home. More plainly put, I've used a lot of figurative language, more plainly put is this. If you want to walk faithfully, down the narrow path that leads to life. If you want to receive eternal glory, you need to understand that Christianity is a pilgrimage and that pilgrimage takes place in the context of Christian community. Okay? We need each other. It's not just you and Jesus. It's you and his body, the church, the house. And so it's not just you and Jesus. You are called to walk down the path that leads to life with each other. And as you do that, may you receive a great reward, eternal glory. Amen.